The debates keep rolling in, and this show just keeps rolling on. Hey, everyone, welcome back to the Sided Podcast. This is episode six. Cameron Ezer back with you, and I have a new guest, Matt Zumbelow. Matt, how you doing? Introduce yourself to the people. Pretty good, Cam. My name's Matt. Uh, Syracuse student, just like Cam from upstate New York, just about an hour west of Albany. Um, I'm excited to be here. This is going to be a good time. If you're ready to get debating, then I'm always ready to get debating. Why don't we just get right into it? Go to our website, cited.co or app, just cited debates. And if you go there, you can make an account, start a debate. Next thing you know, your topic could be talked about on this podcast. And if you haven't listened or watched our previous five episodes, go do that. Subscribe. Make sure you like all our videos. If you like the content that we're talking about it, let's get right into topic one, Matt. You excited? Absolutely. Let's get into it. Let's do it. We're going to start with baseball. One of the most surprising teams in the entire MLB comes out of the division where most people aren't surprised that success is coming out of, and that's the NL West. Everyone was expecting the Dodgers and the Padres to lead everyone in the major leagues with the star-studded teams that they have. That's true, but both those teams aren't winning the division. It's actually the San Francisco Giants, and that's why we go decided for this question. San Francisco Giants, pretenders or contenders right now leading the NL and one of the first teams to win 40 games alongside a team like the Rays, but the Giants are having a lot of success. Matt, what are you giving them? Are they pretenders on this early part of the season, or is this team contenders going forward? I think the Giants are contenders. Look, we're almost already halfway through the season. We're leaning towards the all-star break already. This team has been very good in almost every way. Kevin Gosman, the ace of their staff, pitching to a 1.43 ERA, only given up 13 earned runs, 46 hits, not bad through his 81 innings. But the biggest number that stands out to me, his 97 strikeouts to his 18 walks is phenomenal and that's just getting started it with kevin gosman if you look at their lineup it's all guys that are over the age of 30 and according to baseball reference they have one starter under 30 in steven duger and everybody else is over 30 and they're all raking biggest name buster posey hitting 329 i think this team's a contender i think this can continue it's went this far already i don't see them slowing down anytime soon they may not win the nl west with the talent of the Dodgers and the Padres. But I think you see three teams coming out of this division into the playoffs. Matt, I couldn't disagree with you more. I'm saying pretenders all the way. This Giants team, yes, I understand we're nearing the all-star break. We're nearing that half point in the season. We're starting to look at teams a little more seriously and saying, well, is this the identity of this group knowing the success that they've had so far? But yes, this is a team with a great pitching staff. I mean, what I look at with this pitching staff is not really the ERAs with three guys with a sub four ERA. It's the fact if you look at the win-loss column, the hitters are backing up these pitchers and these pitchers are going into deep innings. So that's something that the pitching staff is doing well. And then the hitters are doing much of the same. You mentioned Buster Posey. Mike Yastrzemski really hasn't gotten off the ground running. You talk about a guy like Donovan Solano that had a great season last year. But Matt, this team is playing in the hardest division in all of baseball. We're only, what, 60, 70 games in? And if you look at any group 60, 70 games in, you have to realize there's about 100 games left in the season. And if this team can keep it up, 
I totally understand that they might make the playoffs. They might get that wild card spot. But I think the Giants end up dropping to third in the NL West. I don't think this team can keep it up. I think the the success is a bit falsified by the fact that it's a team on a hot streak. So yes, they're playing well. I would never take that away from the San Francisco Giants. But right now, it's a fallacy to say this team can contend for a championship for a World Series. I think the Giants are playing very good baseball. That doesn't mean that you're a great team. You're a great team if you can keep it up throughout the rest of the season. I say slow the brakes on the San Francisco Giants. We'll have to see. I mean, hey, you know how they how they're they're pretty good when they start off since or start off decades, excuse me. So we'll have to see if that can continue here. I'm a little shaky, just like Johnny Cueto is when he tries to do his different. <laughs> Let's move on to baseball. Or we move, we were at baseball. Let's move on to basketball. The Giants' success is tripping me up, and that's why I think they're pretenders. Let's move on to basketball. <laughs> Tommy posts about Mike D'Antoni. We're gonna get two minutes back up on the clock, Matt. This post, will Mike D'Antoni get the Portland head coaching job? A little bit of context. That job is open after the firing of Terry Stotts. What are you giving me, Matt? I think that he is going to get the job. I think that really? Portland, I do. I think Portland needs a, a guy like him who can come in, who has proved to be able to win, obviously not enough, which is a big issue, obviously, especially for a city like Portland, who has not had the most success when it comes to the playoffs, but I think getting a good veteran coach will be the chance. I think the biggest issue for Portland coming up is going to be holding on to their star player in Damian Lillard. And I'm not sure how well that happens with a new coach may not, but if you get a guy like Mike D'Antoni, who's been working with good um, players for years and has gotten had playoff success, obviously not enough, like I said, but I think they take the chance on him. Maybe give him a very short lease, but I, I see a chance going to D'Antoni in Portland. Matt, I mean, you, you get on this show, first-time guest, and you go 0 for 2 to start. Come on. Oh, Mike, oh, D'Anto- Mike D'Antoni is not getting this job. I don't want to throw out any other, any other candidates that will possibly get it. I like Becky Hammond. I like Chauncey Billups. I understand that. I love Jason Kidd before he turned down that job. But Mike D'Antoni doesn't have the pedigree. All that he's shown is he can take successful players to whether it be a conference final, a conference semifinal, but not much further. And a big part of that, he's one-sided. In the game of basketball, and we've seen it a lot from these playoffs, we saw it from the Bucs against the Nets. They're stopping the Nets on the defensive end while also using their offensive talent to their advantage. Mike D'Antoni is an offensive-based coach. In his past four years in Houston before getting out of the league, Mike D'Antoni pretty much put this Houston team in a spot where they're top five in offensive efficiency. Where's the defense been? The bottom half of the league. And I'm not saying that the Blazers can't succeed with such a you know high offensive formula that Mike D'Antoni can instill because you know the weapons on that team in Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. You could throw other guys out there. I mean, Yusuf Nurkic is mainly an offensive center. But this team needs more balance and that's what they've been struggling with a big reason why they get to game sixes and sevens but can't get out of it because they can't utilize both sides of the court i'm saying that if mike d'antoni gets this job the blazers will get as far as they've already gotten and that's my struggle and that's why i don't think mike d'antoni will get the job do i know who will get it 
No. Do I think it should be an, an experienced coach? I have no clue because right now you're, you're seeing Terry Stotts couldn't get it done. And right now it's the young coaches getting it done in Monty Williams with the Suns. I mean, Doc Rivers isn't young, but he's young in that Philly system. I, I just think that the Blazers can go a much different route. And I think that will prove uh, uh, a lot better for them if they don't go with D'Antoni. Now let's move on to the next topic, staying in basketball, two minutes back up on the clock, Theodore Duenas. And we're talking about the Lakers. He posted this on Sided. Remember, go on our website, Sided.co, or our app, the Sided Debates app. He posts this. Favorite lesser-known Los Angeles Laker. Now, I'm a West Coast guy. Matt, you're an East Coast guy. But you'll probably know these names vaguely. Here are the options. Byron Scott, Kurt Rambis, Derek Fisher, Michael Thompson, Robert Ory, or other. Favorite lesser-known Laker. I know you're not a big Lakers guy, but if you had to give me one, who are you giving me? Well, I know I this is an interesting post here uh, because even as an East Coast guy who doesn't know much about the Lakers, not even basketball, not really even being my sport. These are all names I know. But if I have to pick one, which I will, I'm going to go Michael Thompson. I have been a pretty big Clay Thompson fan. He kind of got me like he was a guy I like to watch getting in basketball. Michael, on the other hand, a guy I don't know obviously much about, never could watch him play, but play with him in, in 2K, things like that. He's a fun, it's a fun family, a fun thing. I'm going to have to go Michael Thompson as the guy I would pick in this one. I think Theodore, the guy that posted this, would also have to agree with you because he spelled Michael Thompson's name wrong. Yes, I caught you, Theodore. You got to make sure when you're posting these debates, you got to get the names right. So I think that Theodore and you both agree with that. I'm going other because I, I just know these names too well. I don't know how a guy like Derek Fisher could be a lesser known Laker when if you asked you know, where did Derek Fisher play a majority of his career? You'd probably say Los Angeles. All these guys played 20 plus minutes or mainly in their career with the Lakers. And then Robert Ori, I know he didn't average above seven points in any one of his seasons, but he has seven rings. Big shot, Bob, you know the name. I'm going other, I'm going to go with the guy named AC Green. Now you might not be familiar with Green because he played such a long time ago, but this guy was a machine on the boards. And the more that I watch Laker tapes, the more that I, the more I see this guy flourish. He led LA in rebounding for six of his eight years with the team. And I'm not topping a time machine and saying that I know this. I'm looking online, of course, but it's a guy that, I don't think a lot of people know, but he won three titles as a Laker in his in the top 10 rankings for offensive, defensive, and total rebounds in Laker franchise history. And the best part, when I was at Staples Center a couple of years ago, I looked to my right and AC Green was standing right there. And I don't think anyone knew who he was except me. So there you go. That's my favorite lesser known Laker only because it's so far back in the past and out of that list. I'm pretty sure I know every single one there. Now we're staying with basketball and we're staying with popular accounts on Sided. Again, Sided.co, our website, the Sided Debates app. Make an account, post debates, join the conversation, get your topic on this podcast. And this is actually from Sided. The actual official owner of the account posts this so you know it's important, Matt. And it's about Nikola Jokic. There was an ejection in that game four loss against the Suns, which sent Phoenix to the Western Conference Finals. We're going to put two minutes up on the clock. If you didn't watch that video, go back and watch it. But Jokic pretty much slapped the ball out of Cameron Payne's hands, but it was a bit ferocious and maybe a little unnecessary. So, Matt, with two minutes on the clock, are you saying that's a terrible ejection on Jokic? 
Um, I don't think I can say it's a terrible one. It, I understand the argument back, and I'm not sure if I was the ref what I would have done in that situation. But to say terrible as a very specific word, I can't go that far. He did kind of seem to wind up a little bit, kind of like this, try to slide the ball out of his hand, caught some of Cameron Payne's face, I believe. So obviously didn't have any intent to hurt him maliciously, but I understand going that far to rear up and make that swing. Um, you can't say that it's a terrible ejection, but at the same time, you're not sure. So I'm going to have to go that it's probably something that it was not an issue, probably something that should have happened in that situation. So 73% of people on sided disagree with you. And again, I'm disagreeing with you, Matt. Wow. We're just not on the same page today. No, not at all. I don't know. I don't know what we ate for breakfast. Maybe it was something different that we're going with different options. I have no clue, but I, I know that this was an absolutely terrible ejection of Jokic. Game four, you're down three, nothing. This guy just won the MVP. And what you're telling me is he makes a pure basketball play. Yes. Was it a flagrant one? It was egregious. He didn't need to wind up like you said, but he didn't mean to hit him in the face. He was aiming for the ball. He got a little bit of the ball. This is a flagrant one. I'm not saying that it wasn't a flagrant foul. It definitely was a flagrant foul because I've seen much less get called a flagrant one. I've seen guys get tripped and a guy flops and it's a flagrant one. But in this situation, you have the MVP in a game clinching or series clinching game where the Suns, if they win this, they move on. You want heroics from the Nuggets. And what you're telling me is you're going to toss the MVP just because of a little bit of chippiness? Come on, Matt. Really? I do. I get it. No, I totally get it. I get both sides here. This is a tough one. Okay. And that's why, you know, you should go on sided and debate because a lot of the times it's a hard one to choose from. You can see the opinions under the votes. Join the conversation when you debate, because at the end of the day, Matt gives you one side, I give you another. And now we're both trying to, you know, starting to understand each other's side. So go join the conversation on our website, sided.co or our sided debates app. But I'm saying this was a terrible ejection. I'm not saying it's why the Suns went through. I still think the Suns would have won that game, but I would have loved to see the MVP have a chance to do something to prevent it from happening. Now, the fifth topic, we're staying in the NBA. This is an NBA loaded day other than, of course, the Giants to start things off. And Matt, this is from Sided NBA Talk. How far can the Phoenix Suns go? They just swept the Nuggets. They're in the Western Conference Finals. They look like the heavy favorite to come out of the West. Two minutes on the clock. Are they? I think so. I have to say yes to that one. I think the Suns are the real deal. I love Devin Booker. Averaging 27.9 points in the playoffs and backed up by Chris Paul and his 15.7, as well as DeAndre Ayton, also over 15 at 15.2. You've got a big three right there of guys who can score. Obviously, Devin Booker, really the star, taking over, averaging over 12 points more than everybody else on the team. But Chris Paul, with his nine assists, I think he's going to be my key factor here because, one, he deserves to make it to the NBA Finals and win one, and, two, he's going to push this team there. He is – an older player, but he's still showing that he's got that young heart in him and that young ability that he had when he first stepped into the league. So I think that they're the real deal. I think we see them at least make it to the finals. They may have a little trouble facing these Eastern Conference teams, but I like the Suns a lot. 
at least making it out of the out of the West. Matt, no cliffhangers on this show. Are they winning the finals? I'm gonna say no, but they're out of the West. They make it. There you go. I, I like that. I'm gonna actually take a more of a contingent approach and say it's all dependent on who comes out of that Jazz Clippers mm-hmm. series. Then the Clippers come out, the Suns make the finals, not because the Clippers can't beat the Suns, but because the Suns will be the higher seeded team. I don't see the Suns losing at home. So if Utah makes it to the Western Conference Finals, they're the one seed, the Suns are the two seed. I see either way, either series going to a game seven. And whether it be in Phoenix, the Suns win, or if it's in Utah, then the Jazz are going to win. So I'm going with that the Jazz beat the Clippers in this looks like a really tight series now, two to two. I have the Jazz coming out of the West. But the Suns right now, you're, you're right. They're the real deal. I don't think they're going to win the whole thing. I like the Bucks or the Nets over them, but this Suns team is legit. They have every single piece needed for a championship-worthy team. They have a facilitator, they have a score with swag, and they have a premier center. And I think that Aiton is going to become an all-star in the next couple of years, and that's the piece the Suns were missing. And who made him better? A la Chris Paul. And that's how great that he's been. And I think he continues it if it's against the Clippers. I think the Jazz match up way too well with the Suns because of their defensive prowess and a guy like Jordan Clarkson off the bench. Final debate of the day, Matt. We're going to the NFL and we're going to a really fun topic that Tommy put up on our website, Sided.co. One minute on the clock. It's about Tim Tebow. It's about the fact that he's back in the NFL for the first time since 2012 after a little baseball stint and he's playing tight end. Yeah. Yeah. You heard that right. He's playing tight end for the Jaguars a minute on the clock. I mean, will Tim Tebow have success? What are you giving me, Matt? Um, I think he's going to make the, I'm expecting him to make the team and play a, l- a light role, but I don't know if I can see him stepping into a starting position as the Matt, type. Matt, I don't, I don't want to interrupt, but do you think that he will take more of like a, almost an experienced coaching role? I could see it being possible. I think he's going to get the snaps on the field. I think he'll get a couple, but he's not going to get significant ones to say the least is he's not going to sit there as a tight end and get 10 targets a game from their rookie quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. I just think that this team trying to rebuild and start over after drafting Trevor Lawrence. I don't think I see Trevor Lawrence throwing his first passes in the NFL to Tim Tebow. I just don't think I see it happening. So I think he's on that team. He may, may lose it halfway through the season. Who knows? But I think he's on that team on opening weekend. And I just don't see him being too big of an impact the rest of the way. No, he won't. He won't hold the big role. Let's be honest. Come on. I know we all want the story. I know we all want the story. Right. I do think that he's great out of the um, out of the flat, out of the backfield in short yardage situations for a guy that can, you know, I don't think that Tim Tebow will be running slant routes for Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Some post routes, though, toward, you know, the the outer hashes of the field for a, for a, you know, on a third and two for a three yard gain for a first down. I'm not trying to throw out scenarios. I would love to see Tim Tebow actually play, but he hasn't proved himself. I don't even know why he's even getting this opportunity. I don't hate it, but I I think that there are a lot more deserving players that will get those snaps and those worthy snaps, especially with a transcendent quarterback like Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be an interesting. I'm excited to see what happens, however. Like, I'm excited to see how the Jaguars 
decide to play Tim Tebow in whatever situation they do have him be a factor to this Jaguars team this year. What is the celebration? Are you giving me a home run? Is he going to crank a home run if he, if he gets a touchdown? What's your TD celebration for I, Tebow? He has to, when he, I think if he scores a touchdown, he has to go back to the old school Tebow, right? Down on really? one knee. I feel like he has to. I feel like the fans yeah. would love that. I think that if he does that, give him more snaps. I, I, say, agree. I agree. I say if he does that, <laughs> if he gets back to classic Tebow, give him more snaps. And Urban Meyer is the guy to do that. Episode six of the Sided Podcast. That wraps us up. Cameron is there. Matt Zumbolo. How does it feel? First time guest. We'll definitely have you on more. I love it. It was a blast. Thanks for having me, Cam. And if you want to debate all these topics and get your topic on the podcast, go to our website, Sided.co or our Sided Debates app. But for now, this has been episode six of the Sided Podcast. You don't have to wait much longer to hear us again. We'll catch you next time.